Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome to No Church Answers. This is a Christian roundtable discussion for men. This is podcast number 305. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sherland, Texas. So grab whoops, bang, spin it around. Not sure where you ended up. Spin it around, find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, is that is where we are. You know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys, each on our own spiritual journey, meeting daily challenges just like you. And that's why we're here. We're having what you can't normally have. It. We're having a Christian discussion for men. And unlike others, we aren't taking any church answers. So we're glad that you've joined us. You know, this podcast has been called deliberately provocative and unexpectedly funny and i think you'll find out that that that's what it is so we're so glad you checked us out our podcast is available on apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcast we're on facebook youtube and at nochurchanswers.com so please rate our podcast and leave a review and here's some news the no church answers tv show is back on the air our one-half-hour program is coming to KBPX-TV, that's Houston, channel 46.3. We will also be available free on demand with new new TV app, and it's for Roku and Amazon Fire streaming boxes. And of course, all our episodes can be found at No Church Answers, our YouTube channel. Without your support and encouragement, this wouldn't be possible. We are in uh, a text called Simply Jesus, a new vision of who he was, what he did, and why he matters by N.T. Wright. It has been an in-depth study. It's been outstanding. <clears throat> and I have to applaud the, uh, the producer for bringing this up. And at this time, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to introduce uh, the panel that we have here today. He is a former world-class policy writer. He is a current professional gambler. He's also the show producer. It's Mr. Steve Titch. Hey, yep. Steve. And he is a former prosecutor. He is an attorney, kind of the group historian. We call him the judge. It's Michael Cropper. Hi, Mike. Hey, guys. <clears throat> hey, Mike. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm basically the host. I recently filed for my Social Security, so in a way, I'm retired. However, I might be buying a business, so I might be gainfully uh, self-employed soon. Anyway, <laughs> I know that's a mouthful, but we're glad that you guys are here sharing the journey of life with us. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in and uh, turn it over to Steve Titch. Yeah, thanks, Bill. The very first ground operation of D-Day began at 12.18 a.m., June 6, 1944, when a platoon from Oxford and Buckinghamshire, Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire Light Regiment, the Ox and the Bucks for you Brit listeners, British Sixth Airborne, it landed, they landed by glider alongside the Camp Canal 
and the objective was a swing bridge over the Horn River, codenamed Pegasus Bridge. It needed to be captured, but not destroyed, because it would serve as a vital inland link once the beaches were taken. But now it would still be five hours before the dawn beach landings would begin, and after that there was going to be no way to truly know when the Allied armies would reach Pegasus Bridge. But Major John Howard, who was leading the operation, had just one basic order. Capture the bridge and hold until relieved. Hold until relieved. And sometimes that's how I think about our mission as kingdom people. Caught between the resurrection on one end and the promised second coming on the other, we only know our part of the plan. We have no idea what else is going on, where battles are being fought, how the struggle is going. All we know is that we have orders for fighting for each square inch, to give a shout out to Abraham Kuyper, and the order hold until relieved. Excellent. Uh, wow. Michael Cropper. Okay, the name of our, our uh, the chapter we're looking at in Simply Jesus is chapter 14. The name of the chapter under that is Under New Management, Easter and Beyond. Well, I got pretty excited when I, said, when I saw the word Easter uh, because uh, I like Easter. I like Christmas. I like Easter. Um, I like the Easter bunny. <laughs> I like the joy our children express when they get the candy and stuffed animals, especially mine when they were young. Okay. But more important, I like the electricity I feel and the excitement I feel when, when I come to church and we worship Jesus on Easter morn. I like the special hymns and the songs we sing that remind us that Jesus died a death to give us a, a new life and a restored relationship with God. Today, we talk about the much bigger picture of Jesus dying and living again and, the, and what happens in following we will talk about the kingdom he began when he healed the blind, the lame, and the demon-possessed. But when Jesus arose, he became the king of God's kingdom, but he is reigning now from heaven, and his followers actually become the subjects who will be his arms and his feet. And if I didn't make that clear, what we're going to look at is the kingdom after Jesus is resurrected. This will be a much different picture of Easter than we all are used to experiencing. Bill? I agree with Mike. I like Easter too, but honestly, uh, between the two, I've always felt that Easter was kind of shortchanged. Christmas is a nice story, and I get that, but Easter is the reason why I'm a Christian. And with that, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and jump right into the first reading. Uh, this is uh, Acts 1, 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, 
but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I have never heard the ascension preached on. We go, when we, we pull out the Easter readings, we, we hear, of course, the Easter story from the, base, from the Gospels, different ones. Uh, I've even ha heard the, the final meeting between, well, maybe the, the, the final recorded meeting between Jesus and Peter about feed my sheep. I've heard that preached on. But this very mysterious, mystical event of the ascension um, and the instructions that surround it. Uh, that's, what I, that's, that's what makes this part of, of Wright's book very interesting, and he's written about it before. So it's worth talking about it, the, uh, the idea of that Jesus was taken into heaven, and, and it seems like he goes up in the air. He's taken up and... and Wright suggests Luke's experience might have been something where he could only write it this way, but the rest of the gospel writings tend to be pretty concrete as to what, what is occurring, be they healings or be they uh, water into wine or be it calm, you know, calming storms on the sea, uh, pretty much straight reporting. But, and you know, the, the, but, it, but it captures the imagination because I guess from youth, you you imagine this kind of did, did you know did he go slowly up and, or you know you could look at it this way that like the end of the Matrix did he just doom, shoot up in the air like <laughs> super I mean go I mean that's we or did he just fade out like a like a transporter on Star Trek but where 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 Wright goes with this and this is what I want to talk about is his his idea is that heaven is not up somewhere far away that it's very close there is a physicality to it because Jesus left in bodily form he, he did not go as an F, you know as a, a spirit or a glob of energy so Wright says not only is heaven close by it, it, it has material existence and it's where God and Jesus are and that we should be very careful about imagining it as simply a place we go to when we die and just kind of 
are kind of around as globs of energy. Um, there's, there's, that, that's as far as he really can go, because after that you get into speculation. But his idea, his idea then, and I'm, I'm kind of wrapping the whole chapter up in a, in a small, his idea is that just like in the Bible where right here in this reading, the two men, the two angels, the men in white say, Jesus will come back the way you saw him leave, Wright sees that as Jesus will up reappear again. The second coming will be maybe this final tearing of this wall that between heaven and earth that we can't penetrate. You know, Steve, this has been a wonderful study, and I've been thinking about this as well. And in my own personal life, I wanted to throw out there, I absolutely do feel that there's a physical state of heaven. For me, it happens at moments in time where I might be in the zone. For example, the baseball playoffs are going on. and you, if, it, if your team does something dramatic at the right, it's a magical time, it's a blessing, it's like heaven. My own personal life. <clears throat> I remember when I got married and we all got for the family picture and my mother was so happy and she's not like that she's not the type of person she doesn't like group pictures and she just said I'm so happy that the family is together I think it's momentary times of heaven and it is palpable it is something in your life I don't think it needs to be that mystical I think by us thinking that, oh, wow, it's something way mystical out there. We're bending over a dollar to pick up a nickel. We're, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're missing it. It's right here. And, it, and, it, and there, are, there are times, and just like in life, there's times your life is hell. We're men, you know? And sometimes it is hell. But then also we got to recognize that, man, sometimes it is just a blessing. And it's here. All right. The uh, a couple things, folks. Uh, we've talked about this in the past podcast. Jesus, Jesus is a prototype to the new creation. His ascension is about his enthronement because he is now in charge. This is all from right, and I'm taking it from a few uh, a few lines that he has written in the chapter 14 that we're talking about. Uh, Easter tells us that Jesus is himself the first part of the new creation. His ascension. That Steve talked about, which it is fascinating. We've not talked about it, and we're going to look at it a little further because uh, uh, of what Wright says about it. His ascension tells us that he is now running the new creation. And the author then says that Jesus is exalted to heaven. Heaven exists now. uh, Even though Luke tells us Jesus is going up to heaven in a cloud, we should not think of Jesus going to heaven in a normal manner. This is the words of Wright, the author of this book. Yet God took Enoch up. God took Elijah up. So let me go a little step further and see if I can tie what I've just said to you together, tie it together. Heaven and earth overlap according to right, and the interlock is being joined together. Uh, Jesus is now the temple, the point at which heaven and earth meet. According to right and according to what we understand, he became, in fact, the temple itself, and the Holy of Holies, right? And, and we all know about that because we've talked about this podcast many times that when Jesus died, 
on the cross, the veil in the Holy of Holies was torn. I believe Stephen even talked about this last week. So when so Jesus is a walking small temple and carrying the power of God when he walked on earth. So the author says it's not like Jesus disappeared, as Steve had mentioned, into heaven, even though he did. <laughs> this is what's funny. Heaven and earth, the, uh, the author says, and we're getting somewhere with this, folks. This is going to get us into this. I've wanted to talk about this. Heaven and earth are like two homes beside each other, and Jesus can go in between them if he wants. We can't. There, well, there, just well, I will add this. There is okay. one instance yeah. post-ascension, post Jesus appears to Paul. So he does cross back at least this one recorded instance. Paul, he, Paul writes, he appeared to me. Go ahead. Oh, no, okay, okay. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, uh, Paul didn't see him physically, but he talked to him clearly. And he saw him as a light, which would be his exaltation, maybe. Paul saw him as a bright light. And the others saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice, right? It's very interesting. So if Jesus is in heaven, then he's everywhere on earth according to right. But my, my personal belief is there's two dimensions. Now, Steve, I think you mentioned this earlier. Steve and I talked about this a little bit before the podcast began. But if you go back to Genesis, God created the earth, and he created Eden and put man and woman in the Garden of Eden, which was a replica, according to Wright, and according to what we look here, Eden was, in fact, a replica of heaven, more or less. And in fact, you go to the temple, Solomon's temple, you have all these carvings of, of trees, clouds, all sorts of things inside the inside of the temple. And the inside of the temple was supposed to look like the Garden of Eden. So that when the priests went inside the temple, they would think this is God's kingdom. So the, the closeness there is that, that the Garden of Eden was to be a part where God walked on earth that was like heaven. And creation is different. Now, we will get later, I think, uh, Wright wants us to believe, that, and, and, and some of you may believe, that when Revelation comes, that the whole kingdom of heaven will come to earth, and earth will be incorporated in it, and, and Jesus will reign from there. But I'm not so sure I agree with that. I think it's another dimension. I think we're talking about two dimensions. But I'm just tossing that out because it's fun to talk about I know, it, I know. It's, but, but I don't, because you, you only know what you're presented with. In the Bible, that's you, right. You really, you and and it's written by, by men and every every now and then a, a woman maybe who who are trying to grasp stuff that is even even beyond us in our time, mm -hmm. and so but but yes, but this is this is one thing. I mean that you you get you get revelation and written in all sorts of apocalyptic language and imagery, which shouldn't really be taken too literally. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the story. What 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 many what many non-believers or, or or hangers on or or skeptics believe, and what unfortunately uh, several a uh, number of Christians do, is that at the, the the world ends at the end of Revelation, and it does not. The world is reunited. Heaven and earth are reunited. We finally get you know this this you know the Venn diagram that's in the book here of the mm -hmm. temple of mm -hmm. of earth. In earth in one circle, heaven in the other circle, and an overlap where the temple and the temple is in that Venn diagram overlap. Mm -hmm. uh, 
the end of Revelation, those circles come together completely um, and overlap each other. So God is in, this is, is now totally God's kingdom. Uh, and God is, is in complete charge of it. He, uh, sin and evil have been completely defeated. And I know it's, it's you know, what, what, did the, what did the crucifixion do? What, what, what were we talking about all last week about the death of, of and, and we still have this. But this, and this, this is the whole idea, I think, behind Acts as a, as a book. As a, as a, this is the beachhead. The beachhead is being, being claimed, the flag is being planted by the resurrection. Yeah. Um, and, and Acts shows those first years of literally the campaign springing out from Jerusalem and then moving toward, in no coincidence, toward Rome, where it gets where they are by the end of Acts. So, so the church, the church has already been claiming ground along the way, and we get that story. And that's where this comes in. Like, like I, I began with, I did the kind of the hold until we leave. This time we're in now is where where the church has its instructions where the, the church ideally is the body of Christ here on earth and bringing this about. And in the second readings, we, we learn how. But that guide, the guide we get toward doing that comes not only from Jesus' life, but through the, the illustrations we see in, in Acts. But yes, this whole idea of things being directed from heaven, that, that Jesus is in the corner office, so, right. which which right. which Wright says, and and um, it's it's it is rather exciting and rather mysterious. Um, now, now, I don't want to get ahead of myself because next week we talk about the more about the role of the church over time. But here, I do want to talk about the the means now we are to use and the means that are kind of illustrated in Acts about. You know, being the conquering kingdom, and it's not a military campaign. Then, then really and truly, mm -hmm. what the ascension is, whether he's going up or stepping mm -hmm. sideways, <laughs> is irrelevant, right? We want to get into what occurs later on as he takes over the kingdom, right? And we're going to find that out when we return back. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors, pastors and church, church leaders. leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. We're talking about heaven. I'm going to go ahead and do the second readings. Uh, the first one is from 1 John 3, 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 
If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, do not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring a unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So here are some marching orders, and um, in part the 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 last words of Jesus given to us in, in Acts are, are very close to the Great Commission where he says, you know, he says the same thing, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, make believers of all men. Here it's even broader, and I think this is important because I've, I've run into Christians who think the be-all and end-all of their mission is to preach the word and make converts and baptize. And there are those who have the gifts to do that, but if you claim that's all there is, then you run into trouble because there are people with other gifts. So over, overarchingly, we're being told to, to love and give. And, and what's interesting is the juxtaposition. An army, a conquering army takes. That's the, when they come through, an army marches on its stomach, they're gonna take everything because they need it to feed the troops, and they plunder anyway, it's, it's terrible. You know, the, the Christian army is going to be known by its sacrifice, by, by giving, by loving, not by fighting, um, by, by its, its generosity of material and spirit, uh, and its forgiveness. Um, and, and notice the end point in the Ephesians reading is that the end point, times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. And that's where Wright points to here, that the, 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 the end point of this isn't we all go to heaven and have ice cream Sundays and sit around in a heavenly choir and praise God. We go to heaven after our time on earth has been spent conquering, holding, and waiting for relief in every square inch of conquering what, what, what Jesus and God have claimed. That is our role. Kingdom people, not 
and not to go out fighting either, not to go out and hit people on the head, but to do it through love. And in some cases, if we look at the model, that's why I say, if we look at the, the model, the way things were done in Acts, you know, Paul would bop into town, he'd go to the synagogue, get chased out of the synagogue, go, go visit the Gentiles, you know, make, probably make some connections there, maybe get some holdovers from the synagogue, but ultimately, he would start bothering people and end up being run out. Now, in some places, he stayed longer, planted churches, did a better... And, 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 but in most cases, he got a church planted. He was good enough mm -hmm. to get a church planted and then, of course, turned it over to the people who grow churches. I mean, he was the superstar preacher, but he was turning it over to people who were making sure that church flourished. Um, and then he'd go on. But in between, he gets flogged, he gets thrown in jail, he gets uh, run out of town, uh, there's, there's larger scale persecution. In the end, even though Axe doesn't do it, he is ultimately executed. Um, mm -hmm. And as we're talking about that, again, I mean, Robert's our, our, our political guy, but there was definitely something political when you go around saying, no, it's not Caesar, it's Jesus Christ who is ruler of the world and the son of God, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to run into the, you know, the earthly powers. But never do we get the idea of this is a military campaign. The armor of God is, is the word, is the spirit. It's not, it's not metal. It's not, it's not bronze or whatever they were using at, at the time. There was a discipline about that, and Paul experienced this because he got up, just like you said, every Sunday he was in a synagogue to preach. Mm -hmm. And when he wasn't in the synagogue preaching, we didn't have to do work to make money for himself, mending tents. Um, he was out talking to people on the street, just talking to them, asking their opinion about afterlife. And then, of course, he'd get to Jesus eventually. Um, God used Paul to win prisoners, soldiers, fellow believers to the kingdom. Now, I, I do want to mention this at the first, folks. The kingdom that God started with the ascension of Christ and in the first and second chapter of Acts, those people, when they were first saved, when Peter went out, the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them extreme power. So it wasn't just that they were walking out to preach the gospel after Jesus died. Jesus sent his spirit to them and empowered them tremendously to preach the word and to present it in such a way that it would draw people to him. So they did this, and Peter Peter was the leader. Uh, Peter won approximately, I shouldn't say Peter won, the Holy Spirit drew 3,000 people to him on the first day, the very first day alone. And as they drew them, they, all, the, all the, the believers, maybe hundreds, maybe 500, maybe 200, said, what are we going to do with all these, these believers? How are we going to apostle them or disciple them to know the Christ? And they all got together and they all became one. If you read on in Acts they give to each other, right? That this is the, the key thing to me at the first of Acts is all the believers, and it has to do with what Steve said, they, you help the poor, you love, you forgive. All the people 
that uh, became saved, and then another group of three or four thousand again came together, and they all put all their money in the same location. And they, for those who didn't have anything, they made sure they had food, clothing, and whatever they needed, and they had a place to stay. And this was the way the beginning of the church was really illustrated. And then, and then we uh, uh, we didn't learn about Paul till later. But the point is that, that the Holy Spirit came on them and they all gave their goods to each other as if it were they all owned the same property and owned the same food. And as we come down to the end, I want to get, um, you know, get some more from, uh, from Michael and uh, our producer Steve Titch. I want to go back to Paul just for a moment, uh, which Steve brought up. Uh, uh, folks, there is nothing like, there was no one like Paul. God, when, when Jesus chose to, to call him and knock him off his horse, and again, Jesus, Jesus had died and arose, folks, so he made a decision to come back and call Paul, where he called the other disciples physically from their jobs and, and told them to follow him. He came back and appeared to Paul. What was amazing about Paul, and I think Steve mentioned this, um, Paul was beat. He was, he nearly drowned. He was shipwrecked. Uh, he had so many things suffering uh, while in his con conquest to share Christ, no matter where he was. Uh, and the more he was tortured, the more he suffered, the more aggressive he became. He, instead of uh, instead of whining and crying, he he got up and says, "Well, okay, hit me again, God," <laughs> but. All the time, we, we see if you watch Paul through the scriptures, God is talking to him. And as such, when he was in a shipwreck, the Holy Spirit told him, you're going to be in a shipwreck. And I'm going to keep all the people. Don't let anybody on this boat leave the boat. Paul was walking the Holy Spirit, and he heard from him regularly. So, like I said, whenever Paul got tortured or beat and stoned almost to death, he got up and walked away. The Lord was with him. And he all he did was become more aggressive. It didn't take long till he left the place where he was sown and he went to another synagogue in another town. So uh, my, my point on this is, is, is Steve, we have a, a supermodel and the Lord knew this was going to come about when Acts started and he sent Peter and the apostles and they all went out and they witnessed for Jesus and won thousands of people to him. God was in the back of his mind. And when they, in fact, martyred Stephen and Paul was there, God knew exactly what he was going to do with Paul. He was going to call him and make him a conqueror for Jesus. I, I, will, I will take it back also to kind of where we start with the resurrection. Like you said, Bill, at the beginning, the reason it's really the reason for Christianity, and that's why it's so difficult to commercialize. And I mean, you just can't because it's the central point the resurrection and it is it is vitally important and we've reached a point most historians say they believe acknowledge there is there is the evidence that there is more than enough evidence to show that a, a historical Jesus of Nazareth existed now what you know we don't have is anything outside the gospels that really have you know have a record of the of the crucifixion and the trial and his teachings and everything we have Josephus 
second hand, they used second hand sources, essentially the leaders of the time, to say that Jesus was crucified and they believed him rise, rose from the dead. The thing is, the resurrection, where, why I believe it, why, why it has to have happened is all the reasons you were pointing out, Mike, the absolute drive, the aggressiveness in its own way, Paul and the apostles took this message. I, I don't, you don't have to see you standing behind me to see a shadow, if I see your shadow that you're casting. Um, the resurrection casts a huge shadow over early first century Western history. The, while, while the mm -hmm. gospel, while, while the gospel writings don't have anything that matches them really in, in secular histories, the, the acts do. Um, the church, the, the, the and, and, and some of these Roman writers are very critical and very dismissive, but they write about the way this church was established. And we know, we don't have to know through Acts, we know through history that by AD 70, which is some almost, you know, 35, between 35 and 40 years after the crucifixion. So that's like, where are we now, 2023? That is like um, 1983, which we all remember. That's the thing, this didn't, these weren't references to things that happened way long time ago. These were people who were there, who, who had this belief, and it, and, and it lasted, I mean, when, when you, people are dying, by AD 70, where, where Nero is using Christians as human torches, it's people who are, who are willing to say, no, man, I believe that. I mean, I, I either saw Christ himself after he was resurrected, or I knew someone who did. And I know what it's all about. That is dramatic testimony. And it's also dramatic testimony as to how fast this grew. And so you have, you have to come back you either you either believe something really did happen or all these people took a lot of crap for you know a con job and you go back and this oh who if it was a con job go who benefited because Peter Peter was martyred mm -hmm. Paul was martyred mm -hmm. all the apostles were James, martyred. James, Stephen, James, yeah, yeah, everybody knew. Yeah. I mean, if this was some kind of scheme to get rich, boy, did it did it blow over badly? Mm -hmm. um, so what that's that speaks to something has to have happened miraculous that caused this. Something definitely happened that changed the world. Excellent, and with that, we're going to go ahead and just uh, get a final takeaway from each of the fellas uh, on this particular hold until relieved. And you know, uh, when Steve, the producer, um, put that title out there, and as I was reading this, as I was uh, doing my show prep for the week, when I was in the Navy, I remember I was the lowest guy in the totem pole, man. I was 17 years old. I get the worst duty, and one Christmas morning, 
I had this duty helmet on. I didn't have a gun or nothing. And I was guarding the base from the invasion that would be coming in off of uh, the Bay Area. Under, if somebody was going to invade our base, they were going to come in under the Golden Gate Bridge. And I sat there and I just watched the sun come up. And I realized that there is blessing in all circumstances. Think about that. And uh, one final time, I'll get a takeaway from uh, each of the fellows. Start with you, Michael Cropper. The, um, the resurrection is, is, as we've said so far, and, and again, the uh, title of the particular chapter was Under New Management, Easter and Beyond. The resurrection, according to the, uh, the writer Wright, is the beginning of the new kingdom and of what would follow and Acts is a very clear picture of it, folks, if you've not read Acts. It is the really start of the most powerful display of, of Christ through many numerous, numerous hands and many numerous people. He said, I have to leave that the gospel will be spread through my people. He said, if, when Jesus was here on earth, only he could be in one place. But if he left and he sent the Holy Spirit into his disciples, whether there was 100, 200, 300, whatever the number was, that would be 100 people that would carry his work, the gospel, and healings, and, and love and forgiveness to people and all around the nation of the world. That's exactly what happened, folks. So the miracles that Jesus started and showed to his disciples while he was here, they were confirmed by the disciples. As, as Steve said, there is so much evidence that shows that it really did occur. His disciples confirmed it, and the Pharisees, the ones who absolutely hated him and were jealous of him, confirmed it. They never deny his miracles. If you read through the New Testament, when he does a miracle, the Pharisees don't deny it. All they do is they say, oh, you did it on Sabbath. You must be bad. Right? <laughs> and, uh, um, and then anyway, and then finally, the resurrection itself, folks. As Steve said, there are so many things that confirm it. And above all, I think at the end of Matthew, there's approximately 500 people that witnessed Jesus' ascension into heaven. And I don't know how you could get any better than that. Paul, Bill? Excellent uh, takeaway from you, Steve. Jesus, you know, they asked him right out, uh, is this, you know, are you going at this time to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus didn't say yes or no. He just said, don't worry about the time or the dates. And maybe that's a key to heaven. Heaven may just somehow exist outside time. If, you know, creation is part, time is part of creation. But that's, a, that's another metaphysical discussion. Our mission is to be kingdom people if we are indeed Christians. We're not supposed to be sitting around worrying you know, what does this sign mean? And then there's a lot of problems in this world. Does this mean uh, the, the end is coming? Did this hurricane or this war, what did this mean? Um, don't worry about that. Just go out there and love your neighbor and serve your neighbor. Forgive your neighbor. Because uh, that's, that's how this kingdom gets established. And hold until relieved. Excellent. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is No Church Answers. And once again, thank you so much for our sponsors and supporters because 
You know, without you, this wouldn't be possible. So on behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, my name is Bill Cox. Our podcast is available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get pod, your podcast. So please rate it and leave a review. And if you have any questions or comments, you can go to our Facebook page or NoChurchAnswers.com and post it there. If you're unable to attend a church, check out Sugarland Baptist Streaming Services on Facebook, YouTube, and SugarlandBaptist.org and start Sunday at 9.45 a.m. And when you are ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church by local so you'll go and participate in small group discussions like this and find one that is men only. And if there isn't one, start one and take No Church Answers. Talk with you next week. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content.